Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 746 for the 4th of June, 2021. This week, TechSmith's Camtasia is an essential tool for anyone who creates how-to videos, online product demonstrations, video lessons, or presentations. The 2021 version adds some powerful new features. In short circuits, the second item in a series of articles on security takes a look at malware, adware, and other nasties, then suggests some protective measures. Although the technology link might be a little weak, let's consider a television program that had time travel even before Doctor Who and still has a loyal following nearly 60 years after the final episode aired. In spare parts, only on the website, as we begin to shed some pandemic precautions, it appears that consumers want retail stores to continue delivery, online purchases with curbside pickup, and other conveniences that became common in the past year. Possibly another result of the pandemic is that now more individuals and families than ever are budgeting income and expenses. And 20 years ago, a new program called Incredimail had just launched. It represented a new way to send email messages. TechSmith has been providing applications that people who prepare documentation or instructional information need since 1990. The screen capture program Snagit is something I use daily. Although Snagit can capture and edit basic videos, Camtasia is essential for more complex productions. The just-released 2021 version brings lots of new features that TechSmith instructional designer and master trainer Jason Villad was anxious to share. One of the most useful new features is an improved recording window that shows a miniaturized image of the webcam, if the recording is using a webcam, and that makes it possible for presenters to be sure they're always centered. It also shows the microphone level to avoid recordings that are too loud or too quiet. The window remains on the screen during a recording session, but Camtasia doesn't record it. Masking keeps the capture window from showing up in the video. Animation isn't new to Camtasia. It's been easy to move text and images around on the screen for a long time and also to resize them during the process. But a new feature in the 2021 version is called Motion Blur. During the time an asset is moving, Camtasia can blur it to create a more convincing motion effect. The program is smart enough to know when to apply the blur effect. It can be dropped onto an object that's on the screen for the entire duration of the video, but the blur effect is limited only to those periods when the object is moving. Picture-in-picture picture is also not new, but it's now possible to rotate the inset picture on X, Y, and Z axes and to add corner rounding so that the small image is round, oval, or even a teardrop shape. An evolutionary change this year allows the user to toggle effects on and off so they can be disabled without being deleted. 
Previously, users had to render the video to see if an effect provided the desired look and feel. So the ability to activate and deactivate effects can save a considerable amount of time. Until now, all recordings were saved to a default directory. This is still the case, but now saving a project by default creates a standalone project. The standalone project copies all of the assets to a special directory. This is a big plus for organizations, and it also makes projects portable so they can be moved from one location to another or handed off to another user. Opening old projects in the 2021 version will update them. That's not a big surprise. As is common with most programs, updated documents cannot be opened in the old version once you've updated them to the new version. The 2021 version hasn't ignored audio either. Auto-ducking is added. This is a process that doesn't involve any ducks that quack. It simply reduces the volume of all other audio tracks other than the main narration track, so that music and sound effects don't overpower the voice. It's been possible to edit the audio track manually to control volume, but this is something that people who are unfamiliar with audio processing might have a problem with. The automated process has settings for when the volume reduction kicks in, when it tapers off, how quick the ramps are, and how much the audio is reduced. A professional audio engineer would, of course, do a better job. But the automated process works extremely well, requires virtually no effort from the user other than turning it on. TechSmith offers Audiate for those who want more audio processing, such as the ability to reduce sibilance and plosives, level the volume, adjust the equalization, and remove background noises, such as that from a fan. Audiate, though, is a subscription add-on for $300 per year. And it can also transcribe the speaker's words for use in subtitles. Track matting was introduced in Camtasia 2020. It has been enhanced in the 2021 version. This is a feature that can allow a busy background to punch through lettering while otherwise being hidden. You'll see an example on the TechBiter Worldwide website of how it can turn a cluttered image into a nice, clean image. 75 new video transition effects have been added. But beware, it's easy to overuse effects, which makes them a distraction in the finished video and can give the presentation an amateurish look. Use them wisely. Today, even phones can capture 4K video. That can be a problem for video editing applications, and even more so if the computer doesn't have the most robust video subsystem. Camtasia can create a lower-resolution proxy video that will play properly in the editor without dropping frames. This makes editing faster and more accurate. And when the project is rendered, Camtasia uses the full-resolution video. Components can now be grouped so that common features can be changed at a single go. Grouping several text objects, for example, makes it possible to change the color or font with a single modification instead of several. Other useful additions include a quick property editor that can be used to guide coworkers in creating consistent projects. Basic color grading can be done using lookup tables or LUTs. And the program's main screen has links directly to instructional videos, online help, and other useful items. So the bottom line for Camtasia, five cats, although TechSmith's $50 Snagit application offers the ability to record and edit 
basic videos, more complex needs are served by Camtasia. Anybody who creates how-to videos, product demonstrations, video lessons, or presentations should take a look at Camtasia. A new license for Camtasia costs $250. Users of earlier versions can upgrade for $140. You'll find additional details on the TechSmith website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, the 2020 State of Malware report by Malwarebytes says social engineering, crypto mining, and ransomware are being targeted more at businesses and government targets, less at home users, because the crooks get a bigger payout from those larger targets. After all, Colonial Pipeline paid ransomware hackers nearly $5 million so it could regain its data and resume operations. This is the second in a series of items that will be included in short circuits over the next few weeks on security. Although commercial targets are the preferred victims for Tier 1 crooks, there are still plenty of less capable crooks who are still trying to trick individuals into divulging login credentials or to install unwanted software on their computers. The unwanted applications can set up crypto mining operations that make the computer run slow, they can encrypt the user's data to initiate a ransom demand, or they can watch for the user to connect to a bank or other financial institution. The possibilities are limited only by the crook's imaginations. Some other unwanted applications are adware, programs that don't necessarily carry malware themselves, but are designed to trick people into downloading malware or to collect as much personal information as possible to enable identity theft. Crypto mining is a growth area. Malware allows criminals to use some of your computer's processing to mine Bitcoin and other digital currencies. So do you need a third-party protective application? Microsoft Security, part of Windows Defender, is far more robust than it once was, and the Windows Firewall is now able to provide two-way monitoring, but it's still a bit substandard. Previously, the Windows firewall monitored only traffic from the Internet to your computer, but not connections that initiated on your computer. This has been resolved, but a third-party firewall can help. The free Komodo personal firewall, for example, is a pretty good choice, but take care in doing the installation. The installer will add the Komodo Dragon web browser, and Internet Security Essentials unless you open the Options dialog, select Components, and deselect those two optional items. And later in the setup process, you'll have to decide whether you want Komodo to provide DNS services and whether you want Yahoo to be your browser's home page. Both of those are turned on by default. I declined both of them. 
The Komodo firewall does offer a detailed view of what the firewall is doing, so you might find that to be more useful than what the Windows firewall does. DVDs, online streaming services, and even some television stations make it possible to view old motion pictures and television programs. One of my favorite TV programs was Rocky and Bullwinkle. Recently, all episodes from the five seasons that the program was on network television have been released on a single set of DVDs. The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends, the complete series, may be available on DVDs from your library. It was from mine. The five seasons are on 18 discs. The 18-disc set includes four double-sided discs, so it's actually the equivalent of 22 standard DVDs. The 163 episodes run for nearly 62 hours. After waiting for a few months, I was able to obtain that full series from the library. And wow! A couple of decades ago, a set of VHS tapes was released, but they included only a small subset of the programs. The DVDs have everything. Okay, so how does technology apply here? Well, I use the internet to reserve the set of DVDs online at the library. That's a pretty tenuous link at best. So maybe I should just be honest here and say this segment is simply a celebration of a low-rated television program that somehow still resonates with some people more than 60 years later. Rocky and Bullwinkle ran for five years starting in 1959 and is still remembered fondly. The audio was bad. The Foley work was even worse. The animation was low budget at best. Sometimes characters had three fingers and a thumb, sometimes four. But the voice work, writing, satire, irony, and intelligence were all superb. Both the scripts and the animated sequences were designed to amuse children, but they contained an endless stream of word games, puns, and the occasional double entendre comment, or image, that appealed to teens and some components that appealed to adults. Some people have called it a well-written radio program with pictures. The premiere broadcast was on ABC in November 1959. Rocky and his friends ran on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, followed by American Bandstand. The show moved to NBC in 1961 and ran on Sundays at 7 p.m. as a lead-in to Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. But it was opposite Lassie, and that hurt ratings. NBC moved the show to late Sunday afternoons in 1963 and then to early Saturday afternoons in its final season. The show was canceled in 1964. ABC wasn't interested in any new episodes, but it ran old episodes on Sunday mornings until 1973. After that, Rocky and Bullwinkle went into syndication running on Nickelodeon from 1992 until 1996 and then on the Cartoon Network until 2005 so it never really left us. Jay Ward and Bill Scott created the series, and ten voice artists brought it to life. June Foray was Rocky, but she also voiced Natasha Fatal, Nell Fenwick, various witches, princesses, and hags in Fractured Fairy Tales, and just about every other female character in the show. And now... 
Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. But that trick never worked. This time for sure. Resto! Well, I'm getting close. And now it's time for another special feature. Paul Fries voiced Boris Badenov, Captain Peter Wrongway Peachfuzz, Moonman Cloyd, Inspector Fenwick, a lot of historical figures in Peabody's improbable history, and he was sometimes the narrator for Dudley Do-Right. Bill Scott was Bullwinkle, Dudley Do-Right, Fearless Leader, Mr. Peabody, Moonman Gidney, Mr. Big, and several others. Look there! Yankee, go home! Boy, they sure don't like baseball players, do they? Edward Everett Horton was the narrator for Fractured Fairy Tales. Once upon a time, there was an easel painter. He was a good painter and made a modest living for his wife and himself. All was well except for one thing. The painter didn't want to be a painter. He wanted to be a shoemaker. Hans Conried voiced Snidely Whiplash. William Conrad was the narrator for Rocky and Bullwinkle episodes, and sometimes for Dudley Do-Right episodes. The Canadian woods, full of trees. Trees, a major source of income for both Canada and Joyce Gilmer. Also, dogs' best friend. The tallest trees in Canada were to be found on Mount Up, a fur-clad pinnacle that stretched itself skyward 63 feet below sea level. Just down from Mount Up was a vast sprawling lumber camp consisting of 400 lumberjacks and a jackknife. Walter Tetley provided the voice for Sherman, Mr. Peabody's boy. Charlie Ruggles was the voice of Aesop. Dawes Butler played the part of Aesop Jr. and also voiced several other characters in the Fractured Fairy Tales and Aesop and Son segments. And Hal Smith played a variety of characters. Show co-creator Jay Ward was 69 at his death in 1989, and that eliminated any chance that the series might be reanimated, so to speak. And several years before the BBC introduced the time-traveling Doctor Who, Mr. Peabody and his boy Sherman were traveling through history in the Wayback Machine. They met Alfred Nobel when he was inventing TNT. Now the candle is still in my laboratory, correct? Correct. And if it were TNT, it would blow up, also correct? Also correct. Well, it hasn't blown up yet. Therefore, I think I can safely state without the least bit of hesitation that what you assume to be a stick of TNT is in reality... A stick of TNT. Does the mid-1960s radio series Chicken Man owe a debt to Rocky and Bullwinkle? I think so. Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons, Futurama, Disenchantment, and Life in Hell, says he was inspired by the moose and squirrel. So was I. Mr. Peabody introduced himself this way. My name is Peabody. I suppose you know yours. I stole that line in 1960. I have used it repeatedly since then. And Bullwinkle's line, I may be patriotic, but I'm not crazy, struck a chord for some of us. The Washington Post wrote about 15 favorite lines from the show. These include Bullwinkle's, Well, if you can't believe what you read in a comic book, what can you believe? And also one of the announcers, Well, you're just in time for what might be a very unhappy ending. There was Rocky's, And now here's something we hope you'll really like. And Inspector Fenwick's comment to Snidely Whiplash when he accidentally married Dudley Do-Right's horse. Everyone had mistaken the horse for the inspector's daughter, Nell. So Inspector Fenwick said, I shall hate to call you son, Whiplash, but perhaps I can elongate it a bit and make it come out all right. 
A line like that would fly right over the heads of most children. But teens and adults knew exactly what Fenwick had in mind. Nothing needs to be elongated to visit spare parts. Just launch the TechBiter Worldwide website with your browser. This week, you'll find these articles. As we begin to shed some pandemic precautions, it appears that consumers want retail stores to continue delivery, online purchases with curbside pickup, and other conveniences that became common in the past year. Possibly another result of the pandemic is that now more individuals and families than ever are budgeting income and expenses. And 20 years ago, a new program called Incredimail had just launched. It represented a new way to send messages. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.